this is basically as fast as Eminem raps. It's as fast <laughs> as I chatter my teeth. This is as close as I'll ever get to being Eminem. <laughs> I want Hilary Swank in the next Terminator movie so bad. There is nothing in this world that you give me to do to hug a robot. It's because it's so incredible and intricate that it's impossible not to notice. Music's the core of this movie. Born again to watch this movie. <laughs> You'll find redeeming things and you'll be thinking about it for a long time afterwards. There was no bone saw. Just John hamming it up over here. Two and a half out of three of us recommend it. <laughs> Everybody loves talking about movies. Let's talk about movies. What is up, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Pause, Rewind, Play podcast on the greatest film of last year. But before we jump in and tell you what the greatest film of last year was... <laughs> according to who? According to the Oscars. No, that was last week's podcast, according to the Oscars. That was two weeks two ago. Two weeks ago. Oh. Maybe we I... last week. Last oh, week Birds we of Prey. Birds of Prey. Last week we did Birds of Prey. <sighs> Completely forgot about Birds of Prey. the week before we did Parasite, which was the which best movie. Which won the best the... picture. Okay, I'm sorry, everyone. This is not the movie on the best movie of last year. But, I'm not going to lie, I would change my movies of 2019 list after watching this film. Alright, I'm going to break it to you guys. It's Jojo Rabbit. We already announced it last week anyways. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, Josh, how's it going, man? Excellent. Super pumped that you would change your list because if you guys remember, Jojo Rabbit made it all the way up to number two on my best movies of 2019 list. So, I'm super happy that we're going to go back and revisit it and... Not to jump too far forward, but glad that Taika won the uh, adapted screenplay yeah, Oscar yeah. for this. Oh, he deserves it. 110%. And uh, Vince, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. That's wonderful. Are you uh, having a, a wonderful day, which is today, which is Saturday? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm in a really weird mood. Actually, I have a crazy story to tell before we kind of dive into Let's our podcasting. So I don't know if you guys have ever like open mouth, stick in foot comment ever i did that super hardcore this morning at work and i am so sorry to this lady and her husband but there was this guy walking through like these cars and he looked kind of sketchy he had a hood on he was kind of like hunched over like it almost looked like he was like peering into uh, uh like people's cars to see what okay still, uh-huh. okay and i was like who is that sketchy af dude down there and the lady comes up and she's like oh that's just my husband like kind of like very like point of fact right and so i thought she was kidding i was like man that dude looks way sketchy i just kept going just kept pushing it pushing it that's my husband and i was like oh crap and uh literally like my boss was right there and he was laughing hysterically like a bunch of people i literally about embarrassed myself out of the building and out of a job today i was like i can't go back i can't go back to work i I gotta go home yeah, I was like, I was like, is there any way I can just leave today? I'll work from home. And it's like, no, obviously I can. But yeah, so there's my story nice. of the day. I literally like called somebody's husband this sketchy AF dude, and she. Uh... I've talked to some people where they've like said something, like I say something, and then they like reply, and I can't tell if they're joking or not, so I don't know what to say, and I just kind of like end the conversation and. <laughs> sneak out okay, bye. <laughs> well, uh... i don't know if you were saying that to be funny and i don't want to f- try to figure this out so i'm just gonna go before things get worse <laughs> like, we're just gonna stop right there exactly that's how i felt i was like well 
um, I'm going to go lay down a hole and die now. I cannot, like, <laughs> continue. And so I had to, like, pass this lady a few times today, like, as I was going about, like, doing my work. And I just couldn't stare at her at all. I was, like, every time just I look at her. Just walking by, like, covering up your face. Well, I can Ooh. only do it on, like, 50%, right? I'm, like, over here. I'm, like, half-blinded. I'm, like, oh, this is the wrong side. She sits over here. <laughs> so on one direction I could, and then coming back the other way, could not. You had to go all the way around the building. Literally, I got my step counting today, just avoiding this lady. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, yeah, um, really quick, what have we been watching this week? Anything good? I rewatched Spider-Man uh, Far From Home last night hey. while I was working on the thumb, some thumbnails for the YouTube channel, and I was like, I wanted something that I've seen before so I don't have to pay attention to it, so I just threw on Far From Home. I freaking love that movie. I freaking love so the good. Spider-Man stuff. Jake Gyllenhaal is such a, a delight, and same, we've already like gushed all over this for in a past episode, but man, like he makes that. He makes like He's just such a good villain in it. Like Marvel's gotten so good at at making the villains cool i don't know it was really fun and then we've been watching game of thrones a lot still we, we restarted game of thrones Which, while we talk about like cool villains i did have a quick question for someone who knows like the lore uh-huh. more of a lot of the superhero stuff i thought when i first read stuff about it i thought that red what's his name skull skull is supposed to be like a villain in in the Marvel Cinematic Yeah, Universe. so he was he was the villain in the first Captain America. He was the bad guy. Oh, that's right. And then he Skull. got sucked up into space. Wait, no, sorry. So that's Red Skull. What's the guy who that David Harbour is going to play in oh. Black Widow? I thought that he was supposed to be a villain I as have well. no idea. He's I don't like know. He's like Red Star, isn't he, or something like that? Something like that. That, that is too deep for me. Which also like brought me to, so I love David Harbour, as you know. Stranger Things 4. Hey. Well, that's what I was going to bring up. He's the Red Guardian. Is who Red, he Guardian is. Red Guardian. And then uh, who is David Harbour? Let's see. Let's see what this is. Uh, um, I thought David Harbour was going to show up skinny last season. Apparently, he just <laughs> needed to work on uh, the railroad for a while to be skinny. Cause he, his, I don't know if it was lack of beard or what, but his his face is looking a lot thinner. Yeah, and I'm just going to like, hopefully I don't like, strange like any of the audience by saying this if you're one of those people who's online like calling out people and like freaking out because they're like this is so dumb that they did this we already knew this was gonna happen like number one no you didn't like two days ago everyone was still not maybe two days ago but when we it first ended everyone was arguing whether it was gonna be spoilers sorry if you haven't watched stranger things like him or like brenner or like someone else who's brenner like but it was like from the first season, like the crazy doctor. Oh, I forgot about that. Because dude. you never saw that dude die. Yeah. And so people were talking and no one actually knew like what was going to happen. And so like you didn't know. And number two, like this is Netflix, like controlling like their own destiny and controlling the rumors so that they put forward, Hey, here is like this big thing that's going to happen in Stranger Things 4. Cause otherwise you're going to have like tmz or something be like we yeah. caught david harbour exiting like the filming of stranger things 4 so surprise you know? i just assumed it was david Whoa, why do you think the that they had him play a russian superhero so they could send <laughs> stranger things to russia he had to practice that accent <laughs> yes <laughs> now he's gonna be it's all coming together Actually, like i feel like i look a little bit like david harbour and just need to like yeah, I can see that work on it my hair a little bit and i'd be like right there smoke a little more and wear one of those magnum pi shirts yeah, around I i'd be living it. my have- best life i have that shirt if you want to wear it because I, I was him for halloween you were speaking so i have that shirt speaking of getting ahead of the leaks how about that batman suit hey did you guys like it 
I did. I thought it was cool. Uh, did you see it, Casey? The new bat suit? Googling it right now. <laughs> um, it looks a lot more mechanical than the other ones. It's kind of oh, cool. Yeah. We got the ninja style of Christian Bale. We got the brawler style of Ben Affleck. And now we're getting this kind of like a more realistic mechanical bat. Yeah, it seems almost suit. like it's going like more like old school while well, also YouTube, staying super high Well, on YouTube, it's only number 47 on trending, guys. Uh, it's been a couple days it's been out. Oh, for what? Okay. For Stranger Things? No, for the Batsuit. Oh, for the Batsuit thing? <clears throat> yeah. So. It just it looks like more armor than, than the other ones have looked. Yeah. But the cow okay. and the cow looks kind of like leather almost. Yeah. I don't know, it's going to be weird to see if it's, this is just like, because it's, it's, be it's not supposed to be an origin film. So he's been yeah. supposed to be doing his thing. So this I is... expected it to look a little more, I don't know, techie. That's freaking sick looking. It's oh my dope. gosh, I gotta like build this up. Ooh. There's your like daily dash of movie news. <laughs> I know, let's just listen to Casey like which also like this for the next five minutes. <laughs> which also I know that sorry, Damn, I don't want to jump. Damn, jawline right there. You like that? I'll cut glass. <laughs> I don't want to jump backwards, but I just still love like I laugh every time I think about it in the Black Widow trailer when David Harbour like puts on the suit. He's like, oh, still fits. <laughs> still fits. <laughs> you got that. <laughs> Guys, that is that is so great. Actually, that's one thing I got super excited for, Josh, speaking of Stranger Things, was I'm about ready to restart watching Stranger Things. Yes. Because that, that series is great, but I want to be, like, super ready. Like, Vince, last time when the last season came out, you guys rewatched everything. Yeah, we did you? one and two. Yeah, so I want to do one, two, and three. Might not be able to convince Ali to break away from her TV series, you know, The Office, Scandal, um, Everything else I started rewatching Community. I think we've talked yes. about all these shows like over and over again. Like at some point, one of us is always watching some. Rewatching Community is never a bad. What thing. What is the most rewatchable television series in your opinion? The Office. For me, it's always Sunny in Philadelphia. For Hope, probably Family Guy. <laughs> That's my wife. For me, Rick and Morty. I probably watched season one, two, and three at least 14 times. I still haven't seen the new one yet. I need to watch it. Uh, I'm waiting for it to come up on Hulu. Yeah, I'm waiting. So it'll be a year. Because, <laughs> well, you can buy them right now on iTunes. Uh, I, I keep thinking I might just <laughs> buy the whole freaking season before it's out. Um, but yeah, Rick and Morty. But like we watched a lot of The Office. Um, I rewatched there's like, Mad Men. There's like six, six shows that are always on repeat. And it's like The Office, Parks and Rec, New Girl. It's always like on your continue watching on Netflix. Yeah, like you finish this one and then the next one starts. Seinfeld is in there. I'm watching a lot of The Simpsons still. I'm in season 14 of The Simpsons now. That's good. That's all good. Um, what you been watching? Oh, uh, I finished Jack Ryan season two this week, which was pretty good. It wasn't anything like super Wait, crazy. Wait, season two is already out? <laughs> Surprise, Casey. Whoa. It's actually been out for a couple months. I'm pretty behind. I've been living in a hole, I feel like, with <laughs> a lot of things. I don't know what's wrong with me. So I finished that, and it was fine. But then I also, with like the strong strong nudging of my wife, because we were just at Walmart and picked stuff up from some of the bins, she finally convinced me to watch a movie that after reading like the premise and everything, I didn't want to watch, but she convinced me to watch it. And guess what? It was still horrible. <laughs> we watched Paul. 
<laughs> but it's Seth Rogen. I know. Wait, so. is that the one with the alien? Yeah. So Paul is an alien, which is voiced by Seth Rogen, and he basically they go on a little like road trip with these two British dudes who are in the U.S. Two for British Comic-Con. dudes. How dare you? You say him by his name. I don't know their names. Dang it, I forgot his name. <laughs> Simon hey, Pegg. Simon oh, Pegg. Wait, he's Sorry, the guy spacing. from Dawn of the Dead, right? Uh, I think he is. Sean of the Dead. Sean of the Dead. Sean Sorry, yeah, that's the one. It's like Edgar he's Wright. the comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you also have what's his name? Jason Bateman. Chasing Jason him. Ba- oh, is he one of the cops or something? He's like the cop, isn't he? Unless I'm thinking I don't of know, the wrong guy. It's called time. Paul. It's called Paul. Yeah. Which I, the reason I was finally Jaleesa was trying to get me to watch it, and I said, okay, look. If this movie has higher than 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, we'll watch it. Because we picked it up, and I just thought it was going to be one of those movies, especially after reading the back. And it was Paul, unrated version. So, you know, it's just like <laughs> going to be like one of those movies, you know? And I was like, oh, my well, goodness. Well, hold on. Let's talk about the cast in this. I haven't watched this movie, but I just want to read through the cast really fast. Simon Pegg. Nick Frost. Nick he? Frost, too, man. Like, those two are the guys. Yeah. They're the guys. Seth Rogen. Kristen Wiig. Jason Bateman, Whoa. Sigourney Whoa. Weaver, Whoa. <laughs> and Bill Hader. Like, oh yeah, Bill Hader was in it too. <laughs> what a cast! Okay, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I laughed like my way through it, but like at the end, I still was like, that was super stupid. Like, <laughs> but then again, like a lot of like those movies are yeah. just the comedy ones. But it wasn't like as funny as a lot of those ones are, and it was a lot stupider than a lot of them that's are. Great. And so I was like, mm, still a no from me. Still but oh yeah, know. so that's like what happened was I was like, all right, Julie, so we'll watch this. If it's somehow over like fifty percent, even on Rotten Tomatoes, it? it's like seventy three or something. Oh yeah, people something. like it then, huh? Yeah, so, like critic score is over like that as well. And so I was like, okay, like <laughs> fine, you win. <laughs> I trust Seth Rogen with everything that he does. <laughs> he's only he's round. only let me down once, and it was that like grocery store food animated one that they did i can't remember what it was called hmm. it was bad it was really stupid it's an animated movie where all the like grocery the all the like food items could like talk kind of like toy story but oh. it's like food like muppet christmas Carol. oh this is called <laughs> animated oh my gosh i know what this is i started watching it and couldn't it's finish so bad. it it's terrible it ends with a food orgy yeah it like, was just it was it was a bunch of like hot dog buns and stuff yeah, like it was like it was the, the weirdest dogs. thing it was the weirdest weirdest thing i feel like all right it's time to move on. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Anyway, Joe, Joe to, Rabbit. We have to talk about this awkward film. I know what it's called. Please hold on here for a minute. It is called Sausage Party. Sausage there Party. Oh, no. I thought it would be funny. It wasn't funny. Okay. So, I really just watched Jojo Rabbit, about 14 hours of Taika Waititi um, YouTube videos, and then I Heck got yeah. down the rabbit hole <laughs> of this animated the history. Jojo Rabbit Hole? Um, actually, yeah, I watched a lot of interviews. Actually, I felt more like a fanboy today than I ever have. Like, like when I like looked at my YouTube like watch history for the week, I was like, oh my gosh, that's because Taika Waititi is so entertaining. I just want him to like come, like Taika, if you're listening to this, like I will not pay you obviously because you're very much more wealthy than I am. I could give him like ten bucks. Uh, <laughs> I could give him a hug. I could give him the best one arm hug he's ever had. And then I might be the only one he's ever had. Yeah, it could be. But if you have another one armed friend, you could bring them, and then we could do a two two man one armed hug, two one armed man hug, a three man four armed, which would make a four legged two armed hug, 
And that's yeah. the new name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you just said, that's going to be the new name. I don't even know. But no, Taika Waititi, if you ever listen to this podcast, whether it's next week or in you know the next decade, find me. You can find me, please. <laughs> yeah, we struggled for so long. Sorry, I'm just like thinking about that. We struggled so long to come up with the name for our podcast because uh-huh. just nothing sounded right. And we never even tried anything like that. Like nothing like that the three man with... five arm podcast or something yeah. like that. <laughs> All right, it's my rebrand. Time for a rebrand right now. Um yeah, so three three man five armed podcast. I don't know what that was. But three A five A. I kinda got into <laughs> it this week. I just spent a lot of time like like not daydreaming, but really more like visualizing my goal of this podcast. And I'm just like I'm so amped, guys. So awesome. The podcast is really like this is really going to be a real leg up. Put a leg on the table. Casey's but... foot is in my face. <laughs> it's my size 12 there, buddy. Um, no, but let's kind of jump into this. We're going to be talking Jojo Rabbit. We got some fun facts here, but first, do you guys want me to do the rundown of the budget, the cast, and all that really quick? Yeah, do it. All right, so we got Jojo Rabbit, which had a budget of $14 million, and the box office about $75.4 million. So, I mean, they made their money back. Yep. Threefold. That's what happens when you win Oscars. <laughs> it is. It is. But it's not like a huge blockbuster hit, though. Like it's not like three hundred million, five hundred million. It's it didn't just, even hit a hundred million. Yeah, less less than that. Um, but anyways, you got JoJo, the main character, who is Roman G. Davis. Sorry, I forgot his middle name. Griffin. Roman Griffin Davis. Elsa, who is Thomason McKenzie. Adolf, who is Tycho Waititi. Um, then you got Fraulein. Oh gosh, I can't read my own thing. Rom. Yeah, Fraulein Rom, who's Rebel Wilson. Bring it up, Rebel. Um, hey, guys. I've had 18 kids for Germany. <laughs> she was line. funny in this. I'm not usually a Rebel Wilson fan, but she was good in this one. She's a hit or miss for me. And in this one, she most definitely was a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, then we got uh, Dirtz. Is that how you say his name? Or Dirtz? Um, who is the KGB? Stephen Mar- Stephen oh, Marchant? The, the, tall, the Gestapo. The yeah. Gestapo. Knock knock. Who's there? The KGB. I don't want to open it. <laughs> <laughs> you got the reference. It's your show, anyway. Do you know where that's from? All right, Dwight. Let's move on. <laughs> and then the okay. KGB was for Dawn. All right. So then we got Finkel, who is Alfie Allen, aka Theon Greyjoy. I am so happy that his career is still continuing. I thought I loved him in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I, his whole story arc was really like you went from liking the guy i mean he's just kind of there and then absolutely hating him to liking him to feeling or to feeling sorry for him to kind of liking him in the end and then he's just kind of floats around and pops up in random things john wick now this like i just like seeing him be successful yeah this guy he's he's a great actor i like him and then his name is captain kleisendorf captain k captain k K. sam rockwell he did a great job in this um, then we got Rosie, who is uh, one of Josh's favorite Star Scarlett Johansson, and then Yorkie, who is Archie Yates, who He's is uh, one, one of, of my the new funniest. <laughs> How is he one of the funniest characters in this movie? <laughs> it's because so he's good. so dang cute. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to pinch his little cheeks. It's definitely not a good time to be a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> so many funny lines. What a, what a crazy yeah crazy just thing. just to add to that uh, yeah. the the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes is at eighty percent and the audience score is at ninety five percent and IMDb gave it eight point oh. I went through last <laughs> night and I was reading like some of the 
like negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, how there's like, well, because it's 80%, right? So that means that four, oh, yeah. or, sorry, so one out of five critics said that it, the movie was just like rotten, which like depending on their own personal rating system, it's usually somewhere around like at or below like three out of five stars, you know? And I'm just like, how could you like rate this movie like a rotten movie? Like it doesn't yeah. make sense. And all of like the rotten ones I'm reading was just like, I, I don't even... I was just like reading it and it was like, they try to make it funny, but it just doesn't hit or just like, it's too soon. And like all this. Oh, stuff is that like what that. it is? And I was like, I, oh. I read an article. Uh, well, there's a bunch of them. I, I Googled Jojo rabbit and a lot of the articles headlines were like, people wouldn't be so hard on Jojo rabbit if they realized that Taika Waititi is actually Jewish. <laughs> I didn't know that, <laughs> but like, yeah, it he's... makes things less like weird if you know that it's an actually Jewish person person who made this movie. I mean, I I don't care either way because it's a great movie. But like, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think that that would have made a difference? If people, more people knew that. Well, and this is one thing too. It's like people look at right. Like Taika Waititi is Maori Jewish is essentially what he is. So he's a native New Zealander and his mom is Jewish. And like a lot of people, they look at that guy and they're like, dark skinned guy making yeah. a movie making fun of a bunch of Aryan folk and Jews and like, which it's not making fun of it. Like, yeah. that's what I don't understand. Like are people, do people really think that uh, we'll get into it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of crazy that people like some of the things that like when I've talked about at work or when I've been watching like videos and stuff and I'll hear people's like response about it. I'm kind of like surprised, but then again, opinions are like armpits. Everyone has at least one, and most of them stink. So that's <laughs> how, how it works. But sorry if the, you you're listening to this and you actually have no arms. You may have no armpits, um, but if you did, they would stink. So yeah, that's where I'm going. But yeah, Josh, uh, do you got any facts about this, or anyone else got any fun facts before we dive in? I've got one more. Okay. Uh, this movie was nominated for six Oscars and won one, which was best adapted screenplay. Well deserved. Based on the book. Yeah, the book is called Caging Skies. It is not a comedy. He says it is very is it's much it's dark. more dark and and focuses so much more on this terrible thing, you know. And he said that in in an interview that I listened to, he was basically like, "I feel like with these kind of stories, to make them more accept not acceptable, but more like more people open to seeing them, you you know, put a little bit of humor in there, and you kind of make fun not not make fun of the subject, but but kind of." add a little bit of levity and then trick them into coming in and then you punch them in the gut with the sad oh, part, which emotions. is exactly what he did. Take them. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, he, and also he wrote this, the screenplay for this, he wrote it clear back in 2011 after his mother told him, or yeah, like you said, after his mother introduced the book to him, yeah. wrote it in 2011, put it off to the side. Um, he wrote well, it. He wrote it between Boy and What We Do in the Shadows. Well, and you've heard how he describes how he kind of like he's like I wrote it. Sorry, I'm not gonna try doing it easy. <laughs> but he's like I wrote it. I put it away. Then I went and made a little known movie named Thor Ragnarok. Like I went and made What We Do in the Shadows and like a couple other movies. And then he's like, and then I came back to it and I started making it later. And he's like, that's kind of how my process goes sometimes. Is you work on projects for a long time, set it and, off to the side, and, and then back. you kind of dig into it. I, are you, are any of you guys gonna talk about how you pit how he pitches this movie to to uh like the what do you call it the companies that produce the production companies? I have no clue. So imagine this like you're so just I'm gonna give spoilers to this. This is a film about essentially a boy who is in the Hitler Youth essentially, and it's a very kind of like a comedic twist or a satirical quit, twist yeah. on essentially 
what you've been fed and what you find out on your own, right? And how you kind of are able to make your own choices as you go. And so imagine you being the writer or the adapter of this film and you're like, hey, I, I want to you know, pitch you this movie. Um, it starts out with the boy of the Hitler Youth and mm-hmm. it ends there. <laughs> like you can't really go any further on that because like <laughs> even like the production company is like, it's a little too soon, especially if you're talking a satirical thing. And then it's like, well, and then in the end, in order to get this movie made, Taika had to be Hitler. That was like the agreement between <laughs> um, Fox Searchlight and him creating the movie was that he had to play Hitler. Well, so because they were talking with him about it after, I think they had gotten the movie approved, but so they were talking with him about it and they said, we want you to do it. And first of all, you know, so Taika is obviously not the whitest of dudes. <laughs> and so he was just like, look at me, like, how is this going to work? And then also at the same time, they said that if they had, because it was a very important role, the person who was going to play Adolf Hitler, because it couldn't be over the top. It just had to be like right there and right there, just as the imaginary friend to this young boy in the Unifolk. And he eventually ended up playing it because if they had some like big actor playing it, like he said that it could have really detracted and like pulled attention away mm. from what needed to be the main storyline. I think he joked about it and been like, have you seen the Will, Hi- Will Smith Hitler movie or something like that? Like <laughs> it would have really derailed oh, it yeah. if like there had been like a big name actor, but because like Taika himself, he comes with like a minimal amount of prestige as far as acting goes because people know him, but they don't know him. It's not like, Oh, Will Smith. But because he's becoming that legendary director, right, that we always, like, hear about legendary director or visionary director, he's, like, stepping into those shoes in his own way, which is to do, like, I feel like he has, a, like, a Wes Anderson kind of hybrid vibe of his own take. This one case. especially did. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was just really cool. And so, like, him portraying was a good way to have, like, that character have a presence, but to not overshadow the main message behind this film. How How... Like I don't know if it's smart for the production company, but they're but they're pro- they're like pretty much like okay, we see what you want to do, but you are going to take all of the risk. If you want to do a comedy about Hitler, you are you are going to be the face of this. You are going to be Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I did I did hear him say that um, he thought about like researching the role a little bit for Hitler, like looking into how he acted and that kind of stuff. And he's like, no. Nah, Hitler doesn't deserve that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm gonna do whatever I want with him. And he's like, he's like, basically, I just played a dumbed down version of myself. <laughs> he's well, like, I didn't even try. I just played a dumbed down version of me. <laughs> if you guys want to hear something really funny too, like you should look up his TEDx talk from like from Johannesburg, South Africa, where he talks about his like growing up, his dislike of Nazis and kind of what he did every time he saw a swastika and how that kind of led to oh, him yeah, becoming yeah. a creative. It's actually a really that's cool story. That's been a story. while since I listened to that, but that's good. Yeah, that's a, it's a super Basically, good one. Basically, you won't be disappointed with anything you watch with Taika in it because no. his interviews are just as entertaining as his movies. He's <laughs> yes. just a funny guy. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I don't know, like, if we're going off on a huge tangent, you're talking about Taika, but his... Like, this guy is, like, from New Zealand, which is, like, one of the smallest, most distant islands in the world. Um, it's a lot of times I found this out recently they did like a survey and on I think it was like 29% of world maps just because of like where it's located New Zealand's not even on there just because <laughs> just it's like so far off to the side and the way that the maps are shaped they just like forget to just add like, New Zealand on there They're like, <laughs> New Zealand but be aware New Zealand is where Middle Earth is um, 
<laughs> so if you ever want to go to Hobbiton, man, There's get on down there. So many good uh, Fight of the Concords quotes about New Zealand. <laughs> if you haven't watched those, New oh, Zealand, yes. it rocks. New Zealand, just like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, because he did some of those too, right? Yeah. Well, he's friends with Jermaine and the other guy. I just forgot his Brett. name. Brett. He's friends with those guys. Yeah. Essentially, all those guys kind of collaborate together because he's in well, such yeah, a small place. Exactly. They like, just all collaborate and create some of the most... If you have, like, if you can get on with the humor, it's amazing. So, How many of his movies have you guys seen? Um, Just out of curiosity. Not very many. So I watched... I mean, he doesn't our, have very many. Our boss was mad at me because of the... Because you haven't seen enough. Because of the extremely low number of Taika film, films that I've seen. So... Add, yeah, go ahead. I've watched, obviously, like, Thor Ragnarok, What We Do in the Shadows, right? Jojo Rabbit now. And I watched, um, crap, what's this one? It's the very first one he did. It's like a really, Two Cars, One Night. It's like a super short film. I heard that one. Like, it's his, it's, I think it's one of the first ones I watched. It It was on YouTube for free, but like, it was all really good. But I really want to see Eagle versus Shark. I, I remember trying years ago to watch that one. And I was like, this is weird. And I never <laughs> finished it. It was before I really knew what Taika Waititi's style was or humor was. But, Add Hunt for the Wilder People up to the top of your list. And I've heard really good things about Boy, too. I haven't got around to it I've yet. And he acts and then again, well, we, right? Yeah, he's in all of his movies. Yeah. And again, uh, we nerded about this last week, but um, what we do in the shadows is good stuff. Yes. And that from Al, that's her thing right yeah. there. So, yeah, it's that that means she's got the approval. But, <laughs> yeah, we, we've went off on a Taika YTD thing for a minute. We'll talk about him further throughout the film. And our discussion here, obviously we're not watching anything with you, so just imagine that I didn't say film there. But let's carry on and move forward. Uh, <laughs> what's next on our list? What do you guys want to talk about? Uh, I did want to know, just like sort of a quick intro, and maybe it'll get some conversation sparked about what your guys' favorite comedic lines were throughout the movie. Just like one-liners or like anything like that. And there's a lot of them. And as I was, because as I watched the movie, I sort of wrote down a lot of mine. And even though what ended up being like probably, I, I don't know, there's a ton of them, so I couldn't know if I could say it for sure. What probably is my favorite wasn't his, but I was surprised with the number of lines I wrote down that were delivered by Stephen Merchant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the head of the Gushaw was so he had some many good ones. funny ones well, that were so good. What was the one where he's like, oh, we get calls all the time, people saying that there's a there's uh someone hiding behind or there's a jew hiding behind the fridge <laughs> we come over turns out it's just mold like stuff like that but then he's like basically the same thing <laughs> basically. Uh, so i don't want to spoil it if it'd be one of your guys but like as he goes throughout when he goes into jojo's room and he's like oh there he is the fjord <laughs> and then and then he's like i wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism <laughs> and then also when when um thomas and mckenzie shows up sorry uh, elsa Elsa shows up when the Gestapo are in the house and she's trying to hide and she's like, yeah, isn't that right, little Frankenstein? And he's like, no, no, there's no need to make fun of his hideous physical deformity. (laughs) (laughs) No, but sorry. So my real like... He's, no, really quick, talking about that that scene right now, um, that one interview or that one video that I watched, they actually played some of his alternate takes of that and there's some pretty good ones in there. Like, oh, oh yeah, we all we all notice his hideous deformity that we talk about behind his back, but don't bring it up in front of him. You know, like, there's, like, three or four of them that he has. Uh, or, okay, sorry. I <laughs> if I kept going on Stephen Merchant quotes, we'd go forever. Cause I've got, I've got one quick fun fact about Stephen Merchant yes, before we move please. on with him. The scene where they walk in and all of them are standing around going, hell Hitler, hell Hitler, you yeah. know, and they go back and forth. They do it 31 times in that one scene. <laughs> 
Um, and Taiko Waititi said that he wanted a funny moment, but also wanted to illustrate how ridiculous the Nazi protocols were. <laughs> and it was, it was freaking hilarious. Like it just kept going and going. Well, because like, it took so long and then they started searching the house and then Captain K gets there and he's like, Hey, like what's been going on? He's like, well, we were hiling the boy. Then we were hiling yourself. And then we were hiling that. <laughs> it just keeps going. Um, it's just a mess. So there's so many funny lines throughout this whole movie but i think one of my favorite ones is delivered before one of the deepest lines of the movie actually is where she says so elsa says you're not a nazi jojo and he says um i'm massively into swastika so i think that's a pretty good sign Which we'll talk about oh, the line so after funny. that later, but that would, I think, had to pick is one of my favorite <laughs> lines. And, like, shout out to Roman Griffin Davis, this kid who's never acted before, just mm-hmm. killed it. Uh, show. Another little fun fact. Sorry, I, I've got some random I stuff. I think just I know in what it is. Uh, <clears throat> Taiko Waititi's uh, casting method is he because he works a lot with kids. Like, he casted someone in, like a kid in Boy and Hunt for the Wilder People. He says he casts his kids based on the character. So he'll go through kid after kid after kid until he finds the kid that he imagined as the character as he wrote it. And he says, I think it was for Boy, I want to say. Um, they didn't find that kid until the day before filming started oh my so he just he's just like waiting it out for the perfect person and they got the perfect person with this what's what's his name I, roman griffin davis roman griffin davis he's so lovable and just he's a good actor and like you can see that he like knows these lines the the, the meaning of the lines that he's delivered he's so yeah. good and fun fact which i thought was going to be what you're going to say but it was not when they get to when after school after he gets blown up by the grenade and when Scarlett Johansson is bringing him back to be, you know, there while she's off at work or whatever with Captain K and they're like, what can he do? And they're like, oh, we need someone to walk the clones. And she's like, all those kids, <laughs> yeah. those are his brothers. Either brother, like multiple it's gotta be times. brother duplicated, Because right? it's like all of them. But I they said, someone that. in an interview, they said they said like brothers. And so oh. I was like, what the heck? So it probably is just brother, like duplicated. <laughs> God, that's another funny line. <laughs> just gotta walk the clones, and they're all just like these blonde hair. Just like, blue eyes. We, well, that's like I think it's based off of like one. There was like a like a, a desire for the Nazis to find clones, right? So they could create their perfect race. But also, like literally, if you were a high ranking like officer in, in their like regime, you could essentially like breed with whoever you want to create the perfect blonde hair blue eyed kid and so they're trying to make all these that are the same so I thought that was a good quip at uh-huh. so I and we also humorous. we also talk about um the when we mentioned uh, how he wanted to show just like the ridiculous protocols of the Nazi party and also the double standards that they have one of my other favorite lines delivered by Archie Yates is like when they're and it's in the downfall and everyone's coming to attack the city, he's like, "Our only allies are the Japanese, and between me and you, they don't look very Aryan." <laughs> <laughs> Where it's just like their whole like idea and the whole reason that they started so much of this is because they want to build the perfect race, but then their only allies who they're accepting help from is definitely not what they envision as mm. the perfect race. It's true. Can I can I deliver my favorite lines? Please. This movie? Sorry. No, it's all good. It's when uh, Rosie, is that her name? Uh-huh. The mom? She's like, love is the strongest thing in the world. And then Jojo goes, I think you'll find that metal is the strongest <laughs> thing in the world. Followed closely by dynamite and muscles. And muscles. <laughs> like, I thought that was like one of the funniest like, things that was so delivered. Because he's like so like into this. And he's just like, 
Think about that, mom. <laughs> just, just think it through. I don't know if you were ever like a little kid. If you guys remember that, like having this thing where you're like, "Mom, you don't realize this," and like that was he was just a matter of fact, mom. I don't think so. It's like your little sister. It's mad. Like she just like so very she matter does. of factly, and it's always like, "I support." Go you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's one of my favorite lines. And then also, and sorry, I'm not trying to like, like bring this person up but adolf he has probably one of the funniest lines in this oh no he's hilarious in this and like we said like it's because he's making fun of that character so much you know like like he's using yeah go ahead he's just making fun of it like right and he's just kind of like making fun of yeah that person so much well he's a character yeah (laughs) real clown but um really they this is his line like he says, let them say whatever they want. People used to say a lot of nasty things about me. <laughs> oh, this guy's a lunatic. Oh, look at that psycho. He's going to get us killed. Like The way like, the way he says it to, oh, look at that lunatic. He's going to get us all killed. And then he like stops and he does that look like, come He's on. like, and look at me now. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he look at the camera at that point too? Like, I don't know if he like, actually looks in the camera. Like, but Oh, it's so good. Uh, yeah. This this is just full of great yeah. quotes. I, I don't I, I wish I had written down some more, but they like it has some really, really funny stuff, but like you said, it has some really like what's the word, poignant stuff as well. Like, um there's a couple of lines that uh what's the Rosie? Jewish girls the Jewish girl Oh Elsa. Elsa. Yeah, there's there's a couple of lines that Elsa delivers, like when uh when <clears throat> oh, I don't remember any of the names. When Jojo comes up and he's like, tell me about the Jews. Tell me where the Jews live. And she's like, oh, they live in your mind. Because he has this idea of what a Jewish person is and the, what he is, like, imagining it is all in his head. And she just calls him out on it. Like, eh, you don't even know. Like, it's yeah. all in your head. Well, you know? right at that little, like, uh, like boys camp or whatever, right? That training camp. They're like, they have horns. Like, what do you imagine them? And they're, like, drawing it out. Like, mm-hmm. that's what the, the fantasy is. Is that, like, nobody really knows, right? And so it's just, like, this lie that keeps getting woven and changed. Probably, like, each of these little camps, like it turns out to be something different. So every single one of them, they have the same idea that this monster, but it's... They're they're dehumanizing them yeah. so much. Like, like just pushing this agenda of, like, Jewish people are not people. They're monsters. They're demons. They're blah, 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 blah. They're, you know, just just making them as evil and as disgusting and as gross as they can so that, you know, they don't have to feel bad about killing people. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's It's crazy. And there's another line that's like delivered that's so heavy. I think they're really kind of like made a point of like the counter the counter movement within like this time period as well. So my wife and I we went to Amsterdam to the Netherlands mm-hmm. and we went to the Anne Frank house last October. Ooh, wow. And that was like crazy powerful, but then there's a line here when Jojo and Rosie his mom are like walking and they walk up to the people who are hanging from the gallows and he's like what did they do and she's just like whatever they could. Yeah. And like what a Oh my gosh, it was just like one of those things where you're just like And that was what's so, so good about this movie is it starts out so with so much levity. And like you said, it feels like a like a, a movie done by what's his face, you know? Wes um, Anderson. Wes Anderson. Yeah. Where it's like this this kid playing Boy Scouts. Oh, the other line that I wanted to bring up was was again by um what's her name in the in the closet. I'm sorry, guys. Elsa. Uh, Elsa. Uh, again by Elsa where she says like or or no, maybe it's Rosie. I can't remember who I, who it was, but she basically says, "You can tell that I watched this recently." Sorry, I haven't watched this since theater. <laughs> oh, you should have told me. I have it. I, I bought just, it right after we talked about. It. I know you're busy with this week, but uh, but she said, um, 
the kid's like, I'm a Nazi. And she's like, you're, you're not a Nazi. You're just a boy who wants to be a part of a club. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I he is. I have that yeah. line written down because that was the one that I was talking about. Oh, where because she says, you're not a Nazi. And that's where he says, I'm massively into swastikas. And then she says, you're not a Nazi, Jojo. You're a 10-year-old kid who likes, there was something that I cut out because it's whatever. And then, and dressing up in a funny uniform and wants to be part of a club. Mm-hmm. Just like. It's such a powerful moment. Like. That's really what it was. It's just this kid who just has been indoctrinated, indoctored into this terrible thing and doesn't know any better and just thinks that the thing to live for is to go out, fight in the war, and then come back a hero and to be best friends with Hitler. You know, that's all he wants is this dream when Rosie's just like, no, you're a kid. You should be out climbing trees and then falling out of those trees. Well, can I ask you guys a weird question? It's not a weird question. It's just more or less like, so recently, Ali and I watched for the first time Inside Out, and then we watched Jojo Rabbit. The best Pixar movie. Actually, I'm writing a blog post about it. It'll be up on our thing. But what I really want to say is like, there is an imaginary character in in, um, Inside Out, right? An imaginary, like, a friend. And then in this, you know, there's a stark, different imaginary character. Like, in this one, right? In Inside Out. Like, he's, like, made of cotton candy, part elephant, you oh, know, elephant guy, whatever, yeah. yeah. And then in Bing this, bong. right, like, his imaginary character is this perceived god, essentially. What we know of this person versus what this person really was, you know, and the way it's portrayed in this is so great because it, like, this movie walks a really hard line to, like, trot through, to be honest. But did you guys ever have an imaginary friend, and how did you, like dream up your imaginary friend or like was it this powerful being because i remember when i had an imaginary friend still do um like my imaginary friend has taken many forms i feel like throughout the years and changed based off of my life situation i need someone okay. to talk to when i'm walking through the forest <laughs> you know um but <laughs> i sound really weird right now i kind of crazy you guys might want to check me into an institution but like I remember, like, I was really obsessed for a while with, like, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It was, like, this big guy wandering around and could, like, smash things with a sword. And then later, you know, it got, like, to be the skinnier guy who was, like, could do lots of, like, James Bond type stuff. Like, I don't know, like, based off of your circumstance, right, that's where your imaginary characters come from, your imaginary friends, right? Like, this kid yeah, just had and, the weirdest friend. And, like, this 10-year-old kid's imaginary hitler friend was so much different than the real hitler he's playful and he's fun and he wants to be best friends and he's jumping through the forest and does that little dance across (laughs) the screen you know he's like a real cool fun guy but then as soon as like even in this kid's imagination you know he knows i i assume like in the back of his mind he knows that it's really as he's learning that he's hitler's really a bad guy you kind of see Taika Waititi's version of Hitler have that fun version and then all of a sudden he cuts to this like mean just like what are you doing you know like I'm I'm Hitler you listen to what I say you're a Nazi and it, like it bounces back and forth there every- in other words get your shit together kid <laughs> yeah. the, the, my favorite line actually of this whole film is the very last, li- last line but he's like F- off Hitler you know like, <laughs> and he just kicks him through the, the window that's the best kicks him through the window and it's like what a like a good like message though, like that final thing that we see of this, the embodiment of this terrible being is like literally f- off. Like get out of here, kick kick him out the window, and it's such like a poignant message to today, right? Like, like if it's not worth it, if it's not benefiting society, get it out of here. Question everything. I think is is the kind of the lesson here. Don't fall yeah. blindly. So this is. I'm bringing back like Josh's thought out moment. I thought for a long time last night about after I watched the movie about 
like what the movie is trying to tell us. It's really good, and obviously it makes you feel things, and it gives you a lot of emotions, but like what the movie is trying to talk to you about. And so I thought about it for a while, and I think that the symbolism, there's a lot of different symbolism in the movie, but like the main symbolism that a lot of times we're trying to see is pretty obvious is Hitler represents like Hitler represents Hitler for back then, but just also anything that tries to get you caught up in a wave of rush and in a wave of emotions to make you disregard your personal beliefs in order to feel validated, in order to feel like you're part of something that's moving somewhere, that's doing something. And so when we talk about Hitler and what he's doing, I think that even though it's his imaginary friend and it's his version of him, Hitler in this movie represents like Jojo and his inability to move past a lot of the things that he that he needs to in order to like we say like become a good person but just like he's been indoctrinating this for so long he's been taught for so long he just wants to be part of a club he it just represents him like moving past that so when he eventually does say F off Hitler it's him really getting past that and another symbol of this during the movie is him trying to tie his his shoes right and or his mom's shoes when it's he finally really hard to tie your shoes as a kid. <laughs> yeah. When he finally does tie his shoes, it's also symbolic of him being able to finally move past that barrier of like of of accepting the wrong things or not thinking for himself. And he tries so hard during the movie, even in what we'll I'm sure talk about in the most emotional scene of the movie, he still tries to do it to his mom, but he still hasn't completely moved past that barrier that he tries to break the whole movie because obviously he meets Elsa and just throughout the whole movie even though they become friends he still hasn't moved past that whole Nazi regime of hating these people for no actual reason and so we've talked about it and you guys mentioned it a couple times how the movie talks about taking things as as you discover them right not like taking them as other people give them to you finding things out for yourself and we need to do that, obviously, like not only because it's like the right thing to do, but also because in that lies true knowledge, right? Like we learn things for ourselves. We actually know them versus taking it at someone else's word. Josh's thought out moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and what, a, what a good thing to say right there is like, think about it. Like this kid has a mother and a father. And the father is absent, and so we're kind of getting into spoilers here, I guess. Like, we've been talking spoilers all the time. Spoilers! But the father has been absent for some time, and Jojo thinks he's fighting the war, when really he's not. He's not fighting the war. He's doing anti-propaganda, or he's had to flee for a reason, right? But no one's really told him why, because they didn't want to dash this boy. It's probably a vision of so much of... Well, how scary is it for Rosie that she's, like, there fighting for the right cause, surrounded by the enemy, the Nazis trying to to help people has a jewish girl in her closet upstairs and her son is like so indoctrinated into this such a fanatic that even he she even ex suspects that he would turn her in and her his, her husband is out like she even tells him like like when she starts acting like him as as the dad you know like so powerful right and there. i can't remember exactly what she says but it's something along the lines of i'm out fighting for what's right or something like that where she doesn't say like oh He's a freedom fighter out fighting the Nazis. He just says, like, your dad's a hero. He's out fighting for what's right. Yeah. Whether he knows what's right or not, she's still, like, portraying his father in this way that the dad can still be a hero to him, even in, even though he's 
Nazied. Yeah. Scarjo definitely deserved her Best Supporting Actress nomination for this movie. Yeah, she did great. She did fantastic. And this this whole scene, like, where there are two major twists for me in this film, and I kind of, I guess I want to jump into them. Let's do it. If that's cool. So the first twist, right, is... I didn't. I didn't see the twist coming at all. Did you guys see? No, I knew it like three seconds. Three before seconds before. I, I lost I, with the piano. Mu- are we talking about the, the shoes? The shoes. Yeah. Okay. So like, as he's following the butterfly, and it has like the piano music, like three seconds. I I won't say like I knew it, but like three seconds before he looked up, I just covered my mouth and I was like, no, like the eyes start can't. to water. It's like, yeah. <gasps> it already started to happen, and then which by the way, like sorry, like this is definitely the best scene of the movie but like Mm -hmm. what an amazing way to subtly but like very forcefully like show us her shoes like previously in the movie so that the moment that we saw them there was no doubt about what was happening and i even i even had that moment in the movie like where she was dancing up on the wall or something i'm like why is it why is it so focused on her shoes Like, like i mean whatever like but i remember like consciously thinking all right, red shoes or something like that, you know? So like they're it, very unique shoes, yeah. the wingtips. Well, they just wanted to make, you know, Quentin Tarantino's cast <laughs> a little bit envious. Like, I was these are nice shoes! This. But um, man, when, when he's chasing that butterfly and running through the streets, you go from this, like, happy-go-lucky story where you're cracking up and it's all fun and games to this just, like, punch in the gut, like we've said earlier, where I, I didn't see it coming, and I really, I teared up, and it just, it made this story so much so much more like it's just so important like to to see this transition that this kid takes place and for him to realize you know that this club that he's been a part of is actually the enemy and then still have to kind of come to terms with it and then feel like no one was even there to help him like his mom gets killed and no one like he goes home to no one he goes home to elsa and that's it but no one knows that i'm I'm saying like the nazi party like nobody cared what happened to this kid he just gets abandoned there yeah it's not like someone came to take him to the orphanage or like anything like that and the only person that's there looking out for him was colonel k and captain or yeah sorry captain Captain k K. i think i just got him confused with colonel clink (laughs) did you go watch sonic yet no and i will not (laughs) (laughs) okay no but that was a big thing is like that moment when you see the shoes and you see him like fumbling to tie them to support her in any way right it's It's so powerful and it's just that moment when he recognizes like something is wrong and that's when he goes home you know and he goes to elsa and he pounds on the door and makes up a blank letter right like does wait oh no that was way before the blank letter is later it's before the blank letter the where he like the blank letter is at the end when he helps never mind all right no sorry, um, so sorry. he goes I'm home and he he stabs her kind of yeah he, he oh stabs yeah her just with like the, the knife that's the what knife. i'm talking about sorry he stabs her with just like the tip of the knife he goes and he just like because like, in his mind he's still so indoctrinated into this that it's her fault that she's dead yes exactly that's what was crazy is like he's become a friend with elsa and he ends up stabbing her and then she goes and like supports him and like kind of like helps him out which is one of the just just so crazy to me. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I, I don't mean to commentary and, everything. And so I want to – I will jump back to the shoes, but since you got up to that, the, it was actually something that was really cool where even though, like, he's lost everything, he finds the smallest bit of hope in the only place he can, which is with Elsa. Because not only is Elsa the only one who's left for him as a friend or anything like that, but also a couple of times – let's see. I wrote it down. A couple of times after um, – 
she dies, his, his he can find small comfort in Elsa after his mother's death because she's very much like her mother, at least in a couple of lines she says. Like when they're out looking over the city when it's getting destroyed, he asks her, what's the first thing you'll do when you're free? And she says, dance. dance. And earlier in the movie when she was dancing and he was like, stop dancing. She's like, dancing's for people who are free is what she says. And so it kind of brought mm-hmm. it back there in a cool way. There was, um, a, there was another moment too where they, um, Rosie and Jojo are standing at the door and she's like, I think it's after he gets blown up and, and they're about to leave and she has that line that's like, or he asks, is it dangerous out there? And she goes, Ex- extremely. And then they walk out the door and they call back to that too at the end when when they're finally going to leave the house. Really cool. Yeah. But then, yeah, so, and then the shoes. So I've watched this. I watched it yesterday again for the podcast, and so I've watched it a total of three times now. And the first time, obviously, I was in the theater, my wife next to me, you know, and if you know my wife, you know that she'll a lot of time, I'll, like, try to, like, be, like, sort of, like, manly or whatever, like, around her, but I'm also not afraid to cry in movies, and this moment hit, and I just lost it you know i'm obviously not like sobbing in the theater but i was crying like uncontrollably the tears were just streaming it was insane and i watched it two times after that and even knowing what was coming i still cried you know just so moving so powerful and like you guys said this is the moment where he realizes not only is the nazi party wrong in its assumptions with the jews and everything like that it's also taken everything from me And so he really, even though he hasn't still, even with this crazy, brutal moment, even though he hasn't still crossed the full barrier of going back against it, because even moments before his mother's death, he's still trying to like push up like the, the propaganda signs. He, this is like his real huge turning point just because of how, how crazy it is, how impactful it is. I also want to shout out um, Captain K throughout this movie. Uh, Sam Rockwell's hilarious, and what a good person. Um, One of the fun facts that, like, like the character is such a good person, you know, like he was this successful, probably general or something. I'm sure it says something in the movie what he was at the beginning, who gets blown, who gets hurt. Who gets assigned to be with the kids? Operation screw up. Yeah, and then and then Jojo blows himself up, and so he gets signed assigned to a desk <laughs> job, you know, and everything. I guess in a way is kind of working out to him, and he's just surrounded by by the end of this movie. He's just surrounded by what he sees as the enemy. But you notice throughout the movie that that him and Alfie Allen's character have some kind of relationship. One of the fun facts that I found is if you look at the costumes that they're wearing, um, they have on their shoulders a pink triangle. And uh, I can I can kind of read what it means here. It says, In their last appearance together on screen, Captain Klesendorf and Finkel are both seen with pink triangles on their uniforms. This And it's their big, flashy uniforms that I absolutely loved. <laughs> like, yeah. when, when he shows them the picture and it looks like a child's photo of the uniform that he's creating, I... I giggled and then when it like it was actually, actually showed up he's like the wearing end. mascara oh my <laughs> gosh it was so good and this big war and he's just got colors and he's standing there and like i said he's got this pink triangle it says the triangles on their uniforms references the relationship suggested between the two of them throughout the film a nazi back then would mark their clothes a nazi back then used to mark the clothes of gay men with pink triangles oh. so like by the end of that movie he just gets to the point where he's like 
I'm screwed no matter what. I'm on the wrong side of this war. I'm not going to get out of this. I'm, I've been hiding who I am through this whole thing, and he just comes out in flair. You know, <laughs> just him and Alfie just owning who they are. Well, because Alfie's got the radio, right? That's uh-huh. supposed to be playing annoying music <laughs> or whatever there with him. Oh man! And then, and then that <laughs> cool I, I got to shout out that moment too when they're imprisoned by the american guards and jojo comes over and right, like part yeah and he's just this like is the twist so... of the second twist so keep going this oh is it's, the one I'm it's so about. powerful like he goes over there and this is after captain k actually like saved um oh, I'm elsa sorry. elsa i'm gonna get that by the end of the street <laughs> he saved elsa from the gestapo you know so you know he's this good guy and then he does this, he has this final act of good where he sees jojo and rips the jacket off and calls him names you know well and even before that like i kind of tear up when he's talking to him where he was like i'm sorry to hear about rosie about his mom and stuff and he's there sympathizing with the boy do do you think that he was involved in that too with rosie yeah do you think he was like secretly involved in it because it never really like points it out i don't think so with with her dying because no no like not involved with her dying but involved with the resistance i think he might have been because he had like they had such a she was like a friend to him like they were she was like That's hey find him something to a... do like they had like a thing so i think that he knew that she was doing something but i think like he was letting it happen because he knew it was the right thing and with the circumstances of who he was and yeah his, like i mean it would make himself, sense he was probably just kind of like as long as it doesn't cause me trouble beyond what i can handle and manage i won't do anything yeah well and it's like also maybe because he says right there at the end when he's talking to her and said sorry about her he says she was a good person an actual good person he's like even though he's gonna try and do what's right here at the end by saving jojo he's not gonna fantasize about the idea that he's a good person like he knows like seeing this come to an end he sees what happens and he knows that he's in the wrong but he probably it's very possible i th- i was gonna say no but like thinking about that he probably know like what she was doing and so he says she was a good person Just looking the other way an actual good person well and this is doing what's right this is where i kind of think and this jumps back a little bit in the film and we you kind of reference it when the gestapo come to the house elsa comes out and says i'm the sister right and like the and, the, yeah. the guy who's the gestapo Stephen marchant he's just kind of like oh yeah give me your papers let me see your papers and then um, Captain K is like takes it and he's like, "Tell me this, tell me this." Like, you know, like when was your birthday? And she gets the birthday wrong. And he's like, "Great, you know, get an mm-hmm. updated photo. You look like a ghost in this." Like he references it because he knows. That's what I think is he knows, but the Gestapo don't right because he's a local person who has that kind of like a relationship with the family in a way. Yeah. But like the Gestapo don't know, um, which I think is really cool that he kind of lets it go. And like Elsa goes back after that and she's like, she's like, "I got the birthday wrong." He let me live and i think that that was such a like what a cool thing to see that like this guy who's like he's representing and portraying such a terrible message he's... in person but at the same time i think that's to reference that even though like an, i think he's the perfect sorry finish your thought well well i'm just saying like i'm not saying <laughs> nazis are good i need that to be known like they're not good but like the person wearing the uniform was outside of the party and acting outside of the party but was doing something to maybe protect others or to yeah. provide service like he was still he was a bad person but he was still doing what he could for the people who deserved it i think he's a good way. representation of those people who knew that what they were doing was wrong but had kind of no other choice in a way i mean i'm not saying it's right that he didn't like 
just stand up and say, no, I'm not doing this, but he would have been killed. If they would have found out about, about his lifestyle, he would have been killed. You know, like everything was going wrong for him. So I don't know at what point in his Nazi career he decided like this is wrong, but by the end of it, he knew what was going on was wrong and he knew that he could, had to do everything. He knew his life was coming to an end. He knew he had to do everything he could to make up for his wrongs and ended up saving JoJo's life. I don't know. I thought his character was really cool in this. Yet another character where I've mentioned this before, where Sam Rockwell ends up being something, yeah. somebody who you don't actually hate as much as you thought to at the beginning. Hashtag three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> well, and another crazy thing about this, and kind of like this film is at the end here, right before we're getting where we just kind of talked about, is this war is going on, the city is being taken by the Americans, right? And we go over to Rebel Wilson's character, and she's like putting jackets on the kids, giving oh, them man. guns and like sending them into battle. And like, that's a real representation of when like Nazi Germany was falling. Like it was the women and children who were left fighting. Cause some of the men had ran the, the army was stretched thin. Like people were captured, killing themselves, like doing anything not to be captured. And Oh, sorry. I said captured, killing anything not to be captured whatever that <laughs> means. But like, that's like a real representation. Like these people were so indoctrinated. They and- were flinging children. And what was it? York, like war. they didn't have anything. Like Yorkie comes over and they're like, "Look at my new York uniform. It's practically made of paper." You know, yeah. like they give they give them nothing. Paper like material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's that's what's kind of crazy is is they they do that and then there's the one point when the army's coming in and like Yorkie and his buddy and he's like he sees uh, JoJo. He's like JoJo drops the drops the rock launcher <laughs> and blows up the building. Oh, but like God. that that kind of like brings in the, like the the unfortunate humor within darkness right is that there were things that were beyond the control of those people yet you have to laugh i don't know if i'm saying this right you have to chuckle when things go wrong for the it's things go wrong for the right people that you want things to go wrong for i don't know how to say it but it's just like that moment needed to happen and they portrayed it in a humorous way because who flings kids into battle? That's all I want to know. Like, uh. it was a humorous way, and it gets his, but it still gets the point across. And I think a lot move, a lot more people will see this and still get that, you know, that message of all these terrible things that happened without having this like long dramatic movie. They can still get the lessons that need to be learned from this terrible thing that happened, but not walk away feeling like completely shattered or guilty like depressed or whatever you know yeah you can have a good time in the movie and still learn good things you can be educated in a humorous way i think and yeah that's something like i learned a long time ago if you go to like stand up like you can learn very valuable things in a very like funny sarcastic setting like i don't know like you go to stand up or improv or something like that like you you hear some of the most terrible things that happen to people and it's funny but you're like that's happened to me or that's happened to someone I know. And you learn that more people have bad days than we realize and that we need to be a little bit kinder. And in, in this regard, like this is not a funny subject. This is, this is a topic that covers them. The extinction, mass murder, genocide of over 8 million people. Right. But they did it in a way that taught us like that. This was so bad that the only way, like, the, I don't know, that's something, but one way to represent how bad it was was to make a joke out of such a terrible thing. 
I don't know if this is the right way to say it at all, so I might have to edit this out later. <laughs> like, to be honest, like, I'm not trying to make light of it at all, but the way that Taika does it is he balances, he walks down a knife blade, and he executed it flawlessly, I feel. Mm-hmm. Well, because, like you said, it's extremely difficult to say is because it's not making a joke of the thing. It's making a joke so that people will listen to information yeah, that's about... Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to say right there. <laughs> Thank you, because... Because we think about it, and it's an awful, terrible thing, and while we wish that it never existed, it did. And you go back to that you know, old saying that you always heard, that those who can't remember the past will be doomed to repeat it, right? And so even though it's such an awful thing, it's something that's crucial for us to remember as a society so that we don't go back to such a terrible, awful thing. Because while this movie helps us remember both things that we can do now in our daily lives it also is there to remind us of the horrible things that happened in our past that we can work and strive to avoid moving forward well and and taiki kind of talks about something else someone in an interview like i said i watched ten thousand youtube videos he someone brought the thing like did you realize you were writing a film that would be so relevant for today and he's like well when i started writing this film the nazis were all dead and he like and i'm not trying to like go too crazy on this but he's like it's a very relevant film and the way that we approach it i feel needs to be heard and i think it's being heard so i don't know like i hope that makes sense but the reality of it is is like this film was written and it has a message and it's done like josh said like there's a joke so we'll listen and it's done in a really good way so you were talking about the lesson and everything and it just it makes me think about how sorry it just makes me think about how much of like we're talking about how relevant it is today and I sort of like already mentioned it before but just people talk a lot of times about how persuasive Hitler was and for a lot of different things you think like how did he get this many people to follow him and obviously it was with lies and with deception but there's so much things that can be done in persuasion and while persuasion can be a good thing to help people like believe something that they should believe it can also be used to make people believe things that they shouldn't want to believe and so you think about it you watch the beginning of this movie after it gets started and he has his little conversation with Hitler it's there and it's showing, you know, like real footage of things that happen like in the Nazi party while it's playing Komm Gimmer Deine Hand, which is like the Beatles singing in German, the version of I want to hold your hand. And it's this poppy thing. And he's like running around yelling, how Hitler and it's being all cool. And like you could be like jamming to that. And you think about that. They had planes flying in swastikas. They had like all this other stuff to be like, hey, this is cool. Like this is what's happening we rebuilt our nation on this. This is going to be awesome. Like, let's go. And so, so many people got behind that. You need to be able to see past the rousing speeches, the people yelling and everything to the true content. Do you believe the true content that's coming out of the person's mouth? Not on how loud they're talking, not on the metaphors they use. Do you believe what they're saying? And is it right? Because I just think about right before his mom died, they had that scene where we talked about it where Hitler, he was there talking to him where he was like, sort out your priorities. He has this ginormous speech and there's like deep, like music in the background where he's like, Germany will never fail and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And it's the first moment where, you know, Jojo isn't just 
excuse me, like completely on the Fuhrer's side. He's just like, he's there like sitting like kind of scared actually, but he's there giving this like huge, like motivational speech to him and everything like that, where he tells him to get his priorities together and get back in line. But this is where Jojo actually starts to question it, which is what we need to do. It's a lot of deep talk guys. Like deep movie. It's a deep movie. That's the thing. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It's like (laughs) this movie was not surface level at all. Like there was a lot of like jokes and there was a lot of humor but the depth we're like soaring through in this is just, I don't know, sort depth of soaring. I don't know. Wow, what a what a combination of words. But like, it hits you, and it makes you think. Like that movie made me think a lot, and it's a type of movie that have you thinking for a really long time. So yeah, I don't know. Anyone else got anything to add? I don't want to like like turn it back into like kind of a joke here for a minute, but I have some like more funny stuff that to talk about. And also I want to talk about like the design of this film a little bit. I don't know. Sort of just transition sort of like what we talked about. Just be yourself, believe in the things that you believe in and stand for it. Just be yourself. And it's, it's a learning process, right? Like there are things that you have to unlearn. I think too, like Jojo, like we talked about, he was this indoctrinated boy who wanted to be a part of a boy's club and, and do cool shit. And here he is, like, finding out and having his eyes open and having to unlearn and relearn. And I think that's kind of interesting, too, like, portraying this and talking about this. Is Remember, like, Jojo writes these notes to Elsa, right? The letters to Elsa from her boyfriend. And he, like, writes them. He sits outside the door and reads them to her. And, like, the first one's like, you're ugly. I found another girlfriend. Like, da-da-da. And, like, as the letters change, it represents Jojo's change of heart and, like, what he's learning, I think, which is a really good thing, is that the very last one, he rips a blank page out and he talks about so many good things and also opens the door, right? And she's just like, well, he died. So thank you, Jojo. These actually came from you and who you really are and who you're becoming. And that's kind of the, I think, the the thing is this is a coming-of-age film that's not your typical, like, you know, like McLovin special or anything like that. It's high school. It's like a child who is learning because everything is falling apart and crumbling around him, but also something new is building in its place at the same time. And maybe before we hit on the final couple, like uh, production topics and everything like that, maybe we should, while we're on sort of a more like serious and looking at what the film's trying to say to us, we can look at the final words, you know, besides credits that, off Hitler? No. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Those aren't the final words of the movie. <laughs> okay, Casey. sorry, I don't remember. They go outside and they dance after that oh, yes, and yes, everything. Yes. But also, so the actual final words that he wanted us to have in our minds, which were by the great poet Rilke, which they referenced a few times in the movie, which they put on after they close, you know, and it's just the black screen and he puts up the words, right? Oh, where he, it's, this is the poet, the, he goes to the library to do the research yeah. on who's Elsa's like boyfriend had quoted at one point. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So they pointed, and then he puts up an actual quote from this poet at the end where it says, let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. And so everything about that is beautiful. The no feeling is final thing is no matter how bad things are going or no matter what you think you believe right now is to just keep going to keep being yourself, keep, learning about what you think is right and what you think is wrong and standing up for it because what you feel right now no matter if it's good or if it's bad it's you're not done yet you can keep moving forward you keep progressing as a person and even though you might become you might get to a place where you feel really good about yourself and everything that doesn't mean you can't keep progressing you will keep learning until the very last moment of your life no feeling is final until your very last moment 
Well, can't say anything more beautiful <laughs> than that. It's a good way to wrap that up. Yeah. Sorry, I brought in that F off Hitler again. No, no, that's I it was, was a good I, for some reason. It's I thought a strong that, moment. Yeah. yeah. Like, even though it's funny, it's so strong. Well, because that's like he finally goes against it. Yeah. Sorry, you have to change your mind, change your mentality, change your mind, change your world. Okay. Any last thoughts to wrap it up? Well, I just wanted to talk about how cool this was. This whole like film was. Like, the set was beautifully done. Like, the part where they're riding the bikes down, the river scene where they're up going mm-hmm. up the steps. Like, it got a nomination for production design, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure it did. But this whole, this whole movie. Production design, costume design, film editing, supporting actress, best picture. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just so good. And I, I just love, like, the brightness of it. Like, when, we, when I referenced, Wef, well, like, a Wes Anderson film earlier, like, that's how it felt. But it had such a beautiful story behind it. And I, I just wanted to call that out. Like, I thought it was wonderful. Um, I guess as we're wrapping it up, can I kind of, like, talk about what I did on social media and what some people said about this film? Oh, yeah. Oh, Heck, yeah. yeah. I forgot about we that. We forgot to remind you. Sorry. So oh. here we have words from you guys on social media. Thanks for chiming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, guys, I uh, posted a, a thing um, on my social media account, on the Pause, Run, Play podcast account. And I just really wanted to know, like, what do people, you know, what did people think about this? So I literally said, we're recording an episode on Jojo Rabbit. You know, what did you think was, you know, what did you enjoy about this film or what did you kind of take away? And I got a lot of good, like, feedback from folks. Not the not the deepest stuff, but also just, like, some good stuff. So Josh's wife said, it's good. I appreciate that, <laughs> you know. And then, Is that what she said? <laughs> yep, it's good. <laughs> well said. Well said. Um, one of my really good friends, Anders, he's been kind of a mentor to me and helped me quite a bit. He said, such a good film, great casting, acting, writing, etc. Thank you, Anders. Um, one person just wrote, amazing. My friend Dallas, another person. Um, Loretta, another friend of mine, just said, best movie of 2019. Comedic, but done in a classy way, which I think is a good way to put it. Like, comedic, but done in a classy way. Mm-hmm. And then another one was my friend's mom, actually. Thank you so much for sending this over. I super appreciate it. Um, Rebecca. And she wrote, um, Taika Waititi did an amazing job on the movie. His insight into the character's um, head was great for me. This was a great way to see how you know Adolf got in the heads of his people. The struggle it was for those who didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Such a great film. I thought I think that's a good way. I'm surprised we didn't reference drinking the Kool-Aid. And then on Twitter, Josh. Um, I've got one to add real quick. Cool. Um, I invited my brother-in-law to come and be on this podcast with us. Because yeah. he, I watched the Oscars with him and he was the whole night just like, Oscars, you know, or uh, JoJo win, should win all the awards. JoJo for every category. So I invited him to come in and be on the podcast uh-huh. and he didn't give me a yes or a no all he texted back was movie of the year <laughs> i think that's a good way to put it and then from twitter josh this chad what podcast is he from uh the rogo tours podcast. The rogo tours it's the one you referenced quite a bit but i think he like i think i just want to end on this one because he did he did this in a really eloquent way of saying it a tricky tonal balance but what but what td and the cast pulled it off ultimately moving the biggest thing for me was how it mirrored events taking place today that is what elevated it for me from a good movie to a great movie. So, Chad, thank you for your feedback. And everyone who participated, thank you so much for helping us kind of, like, add a little extra value to our podcast. Like, we, we do this for ourselves, one, but two, we hope that you enjoy the content we're putting out. Because without you, there would be no us. So, thank you to those who listen to us and those who support our podcast. And this was Chad's, I just looked it up because I listened to their uh, top ten movies of the year. This was Chad's number five movie of 2019. So, 
super high up there lots of good stuff yeah i think my list would be different if we did that again now that i've seen all of these oscar movies <laughs> did you had you not seen jojo rabbit I hadn't before seen we jojo did it. or parasite or ford v ferrari there's a bunch of minutes and we did do it right before 1917 and we like said yeah. where we'd put it but I think next year we'll have to maybe do this a little Do it bit in different. the middle of February instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I always want to do it. It's like one of my favorite yeah. episodes I th- ever. I think we Either that or like I just got to a... catch up on movies before the year end. <laughs> yeah, I think we should do like a sprint like type thing. like like Just quit our jobs for a couple of weeks. You know? Yeah. Take a lot of PTO. I don't <laughs> just know. Just kidding. So really, thank you everyone for kind of tuning in with us. Uh, Vince, any closing statements or thoughts on this? No, this it's, it's great. I, I think you guys all summed it up so well. It's one of the best movies of the year for sure yeah. i can't wait to see what taika waititi does next oh uh, i think it might be another thor movie thor love and thunder with I'm natalie portman a little I, I, i'm excited for that but also i think i think i'm more excited to see what he does just on his Otherwise, own you know yeah. outside of a franchise like thor is gonna be great it's gonna be funny but there's nothing like a taika waititi movie yeah i'm excited we'll we'll have to see taika uh, Josh, what about you? Any closing thoughts? Uh, no, just if you've watched this movie already, which I hope, you know, if you've gotten this far, you already have. If for some reason you're here and you haven't, please, you know, hopefully this was persuasive enough to go check it out, but persuasive in a good way, like we've talked about. Um, just watch it. And if you've already watched it, watch it again and just see what you can take out of it because so much good underlying beautiful nuggets of, what we need to strive for as people and that's just all we've said it all before in the podcast i can't say anything more than this movie amazing yeah i'm i'm really sorry that i put off watching this for so long to be honest with you it's it's my only regret of 2018 (laughs) no i'm just kidding or 2019 dang it what's wrong with me but no regret of 2018 is i didn't see a movie that comes out for another (laughs) another year oh no uh really if you if you haven't watched this and you made this far, thank you for listening to us ramble about something you don't know really anything about. But obviously, thank you for being here. So anyone who's new, we're grateful you joined us on the podcast. Um, but those of you who stuck around for a while, thank you so much as well for just being a part of, you know, listening to us ramble about movies and kind of pursue our passions a little bit with, you know, getting together as the boys, drinking soda and talking movies. And so we greatly appreciate that. Um, in, in conclusion, I guess... Uh, Tell us what you think. Give us some feedback. You can comment on our social media posts. Our website is finally actually up and going, and it's actually going to get a little bit of a revamp and hey. some love. But the website is now prppodcast.com. You'll see our logo right as soon as you sign on, and you'll be able to kind of check out what's going on. Josh and I have not forgotten this, but we had promised it last week on, you know, Oh, you guys are already going to be seeing it, but there is the Marvel bracket though is up and going. So yeah, get on that Marvel bracket, vote for the greatest Marvel film of all time. I hope it's not Endgame. I would watch Endgame again. (laughs) I would too. I just I wanted to see what either of you would say with that comment. I held in comments. I I could hear it like it was like it was like a gulp, like because the words started coming and my 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 mouth had to hold it back, like. (laughs) I already swore a couple times on the podcast that Casey will have to bleep it out no more. <laughs> Listen, Josh, if Endgame wins, I will when? return to Oz and go with the talking chicken. So are we doing that next week? What? 
the the end of the Marvel bracket? Is that our next uh, movie? No, it'll, it'll so. take two weeks to get that finished. So. Does that mean we're going with the suggestion? We are going with the suggestion, and I am so stinking stoked on this. <laughs> hey, thank you for your input. <laughs> yeah, so we had someone reach out to us on the Pause Ryan Play podcast Instagram feed, and uh, so thank you, Josh underscore Schnur. Um, message us and said you guys should totally do Willow. So... Yes, 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 yes. I'm so excited for Willow. <laughs> Don't... Oh, we're going to do Willow. Listen, we're going to have a good time, okay? <laughs> we're going to learn about magic. We're going to learn about uh, tall people. We're also going to learn about uh, Pe- weird names. Oh, is Peck's a derogatory name in that movie? Yeah, Peck. Oh, so I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah, we shouldn't say that. I don't. I don't know what their regular name is. Uh, I'll look it up. I'll have it all for next (laughs) week. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come prepared, like you in Star Wars. I will show up. Yeah. So yeah, next week we are watching Willow. Willow off good. George Lucas's finest movie, the one that he's so like most known for. (laughs) Willow. (laughs) We're gonna watch Willow. I can just see the paint on We're your watching face. Willow. Why talk about this? But anyhow, next. Have week, you seen Willow, Josh? I'm not. No. Okay. Oh sorry. man, it's going to be a real treat. Anyone who wants to join us in talking, watching Willow, just text me, DM us. Maybe we can zoom you in. I don't know. But anyhow, watch Willow. It's on Disney Plus. Fantastic movie. You will not regret it. Join us in watching it. It's a little red-haired baby in there, so it's a good time. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> thank you for tuning in to our podcast and. Uh, We'll catch you next time. Adieu. Gesundheit.